0: Well, good morning again, Go Church. You having a good day? Come on, if you're having a good day, make some noise. Come on. God is faithful. Great looking group here on this Sunday morning, honored that you're in person with us today. As a matter of fact, this is our 12th Sunday back with in-person gatherings since the global pandemic uh, hit our country and swept across the world. and. What an honor it is to be able to see you today in person. We will never again take that for granted. Come on, amen to that. And and then, of course, there's still a lot of people watching online. What an honor it is to have such an incredible online campus. We had a great staff that oversees our online campus there. So. Whether you're watching through Facebook or YouTube or you're on mygochurch.com, would you let us know where you're watching from? We always love to go back and to see where everybody's watching from as the, the message of Jesus through the ministry of Go Church literally goes to the ends of the earth. As a matter of fact, we got some really good friends today tuning in from India. Come on, isn't that awesome? So we welcome all of you. Come on, would you welcome everybody online today? Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Yeah, there we go. And then many of you know this, we're one church in two locations. So We've got our South Metro Atlanta campus. This is our broadcast campus. That's for all of you here today. And then 700 miles north of here, we have our Germantown, Maryland campus, who is still meeting online only right now. So we welcome everybody from Germantown online. Come on, show some love to your extended family. And then uh, we have this moment every Sunday before we jump into the message together where we pause to give honor to the incredibly brave military men and women and all of the courageous first responders. Now, I'll tell you this almost every Sunday. This is a clapping church. Come on, we clap a lot. And we give a lot of applause of appreciation and honor. Uh, But I believe in in my opinion and where my heart is that the best round of applause of appreciation right underneath thanking God for his goodness is thanking those who put their life on the line to protect ours. So can we do that together today? Can we put our hands together? Honor those who are serving in the military. Honor those courageous first responders. Come on, let them hear you. Thank you for your sacrifice. And thank you for serving. I love that, I love that. And, uh, and we do, we love all of you, and we're so thankful for you and the way that you serve and uh, put your life on the line for us. Now I got one quick announcement before we jump into the message, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna fly through this. Um, Typically at the end of each month, at least for the past few months during COVID-19, I've been giving you kind of an updated schedule for re-entry going into that upcoming month. And so I wanted to just kind of tell you a couple things about the month of September. I'll only do an update like this as changes are made so that you can stay in the know. Does that make sense? So there's a couple things that'll be changing beginning next Sunday as we walk into September. Um, that I feel like you should know at our campus here, at the Broadcast Campus, and then also at our campus in Germantown. So this is kind of the schedule for the month of September. All of this information you can find via social media website and emails that will go out. But our online campus for the month of September, that is a constant, it's a huge part of our ministry. So every Sunday at 945 and then again at 1130, you can catch us online, on demand as well. So if you ever miss a gathering or a message or you wanna go back and listen to some of our dynamic worship. Come on, we got some good worship around here. You can find all of that online on Facebook at mygochurch.com, on Vimeo, on YouTube, etc. So for the month of September and moving forward, our online campus will remain in place. For our South Metro Atlanta campus, this impacts everybody here in person again for the month of September, thank God for that. Our gathering times are the same, 9.45 and 11.30. But here's the big announcement beginning next Sunday. We are going back to Go Kids Ministry. Come on, isn't that fantastic? Come on, I'm excited. So to all of you kiddos out there, you have faithfully endured big church for a number of months. You get to go back to an age-appropriate environment just for you. Now, parents and grandparents, listen to me. Our team is working incredibly hard to make sure that your children are in a safe environment. Uh, We've gone above and beyond uh, standard house cleaning uh, to additional sanitizing and all of that. As a matter of fact, we have a great team from our South Metro Atlanta campus today visiting another church to see how they're doing kids' ministry to provide a safe and sanitized environment so you can rest assured that when your kids are at Go Kids beginning next week, they'll be in a clean space They'll get a curriculum and a lesson that is helpful for them at their age level. And then that'll kind of give you also a little bit of an opportunity uh, to not have so many distractions. Uh, We parent two beautiful children, and Lord knows sometimes it's good to let somebody else watch them for a moment. Come on now, parents, give me a good amen right there. So Go Kids is back next Sunday. So parents, I want you to make note of that. Now Germantown, here's, here's the change for you all. Our Germantown, Maryland campus has been hit incredibly hard by the impact of COVID-19, especially in the Northeast. Um, Next week will be six months that our Germantown, Maryland campus has not been able to meet in person. They've only been able to meet online and they, they need one another. The church is essential. We are brothers and sisters, we need each other. Can you give me a good amen right there? And so here's the update for Germantown. On Sunday, September 13th, you are going back in person. Come on, thanks be to God. I'm so excited and I'm proud of our team there and our campus pastor there. Now, it's going to look a little different because it's a portable campus, and we rent the Regal Cinema Movie Theater. They're not quite ready for us to return, and so we're going to maximize the capacity at our Clarksburg office space. So Germantown, you're going to go back September 13th at 6 p.m. You have to RSVP. Now, South Metro Atlanta campus, you don't have to RSVP but because space is limited, Germantown, you'll need to RSVP and we're not quite ready for go kids at your campus just yet. Baby steps, but a big step is that you get to come back together, isn't that awesome? Come on, I'm excited about that. All right, one more part of this reentry plan because this is happening this Wednesday. So the first Wednesday of every single month, we have what we call First Wednesday. We've pressed pause on those for the last few months because of, again, the global pandemic, but this Wednesday night, Both campuses will be having our first Wednesday gathering again. Now watch this. Here at our South Metro Atlanta campus, the man, the myth, the legend, the bishop of the house, Pastor Allen will be preaching. Come on now. So you've been enduring my preaching for a few months. Now you get to enjoy some preaching on Wednesday night at seven o'clock, and then at our Germantown campus, again, you'll be at our Clarksburg office, your campus pastor, Pastor David, is gonna be bringing the message, Germantown, you gotta RSVP, use the app or the website, and then here at our South Metro Atlanta campus, there will be kids ministry, and there will be Go Youth happening Wednesday night. So, just a big uh, barrel of fun and announcements you need to know about. Are you glad to be a part of a church that's moving forward in a cautious and safe way, but we're not letting fear creep in? Come on, that'll preach, won't it? So, to God be the glory. All right. If you're ready for the word, say, I'm ready. ready. Come on, let me hear it again. If you're ready for the word, say, I'm ready. ready. We're in week number four of a series that we've been doing called Idols. And the thought behind this series is when good things become bad, when good things become bad bad the lord put this series in our heart a few months ago and i pray that the last few weeks of me teaching this series has uh, been good for you it's been good for me i've i've felt a lot of conviction along the way and i've i've learned that you got to practice what you preach come on now and so if you've missed any of the previous 3 weeks again you can go online and catch any of those previous uh, messages within this series or any other series and week number 1 i gave you kind of an introductory uh, foundational message in this series and I gave us a working definition of what an idol is and I want to show this to you again today so I'll encourage you to take a lot of notes Got a lot of scripture a lot of thoughts to cover today so if you got anything to write with I think that'd be to your advantage uh, our working definition for what an idol is is this idols are the things that distract you from God by a show of hands how many of you know that there are a lot of distractions in this world come on you ready like The enemy is always trying to distract us from keeping our eyes on Jesus and getting our eyes off of our, you know, desire to walk the straight and narrow. So an idol is anything that would distract you from God. An idol are the things that would consume your affection, your appetite, and your attention. So the way that God wired us is that we would turn our affection to him, our appetite would be for him, and our attention would be on him. And so the enemy of this world places false gods, idols, in our lives and in our culture to try to get us to get our affection and appetite and attention off of the things of this world. Let's do this together. Uh, Everybody in the room, everybody online, let's read this definition together. You ready? One, two, three. Idols are the things that distract you from God, the things that consumes your affection, your appetite, and your attention. So that is what an idol is. Now, the sin of idolatry is whenever you begin to worship these distractions. So whenever, whenever you begin to worship things uh, created by man, they are not God, but you worship them as though they are God, then you've fallen into the sin of idolatry. So here's that working definition. Idolatry is when you worship something or Maybe someone that is not God, but you worship that thing or that person more than you worship the one who is God. So, so a very elementary uh, definition of this particular definition is anything or anyone that is elevated to the seat of priority where God should be becomes an idol. And when you worship that thing, or you worship that person that is not God, but you worship it more than the one you worship who is God, that is the sin of idolatry. Many of you know of Charles Spurgeon. Uh, They call him the Prince of Preachers. Fantastic communicator, Uh, many, many years ago, he wrote this thought on idols and idolatry. He says this, if you love anything better than God, you are idolaters. If there is anything you would not give up for God, that is your idol. If there is anything that you seek with greater fervor than you seek the glory of God, that is your idol. And then he says this. He talks about conversion. He talks about salvation and how whenever we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we say no to the things of this world because now we are saying yes to the things of God. Can you say amen there? And so Spurgeon says that conversion means a turning from every idol. So at the moment of conversion, at the moment of salvation, you are turning away from the desires of the flesh to worship things created by humans and you recognize the responsibility to worship the only one with a capital G is God. Come on, give me an amen right there. And a lot of times when we think about idols, we think about you know maybe Egyptian carved statues or maybe we think about, you know, tribes in some far-off country and in and, and an unreached part of the jungle. But idols can become anything. And we see all throughout the Bible in the Old Testament and in the New Testament how the people of that day wrestled with idols and the sin of idolatry. If you go to the book of Psalm, now many of you know this, that King David wrote a majority of the Psalms, which are songs, But in Psalm 135, the author is unknown. And uh, I'll ask for a little bit of grace here because I'm gonna show you verses 15 through 18, but I'll show it to you in the message translation. Typically I don't use the message version of the Bible for teaching, but I loved how uh, the, the writer defined a perspective of Psalm 135 here. So this again is the message translation. Psalm 135 tells us about idols this, The idols of the godless nations are mere trinkets. They're made for quick sell in the markets. They've got chiseled mouths that can't talk. They've got painted eyes that can't see. They've got carved ears that can't hear. These idols are just dead wood. They are cold metal. And watch this. The writer says, and those who make them and those who trust them become like them. Isn't that powerful? These idols, these false gods, these man-made, created things that have been erected in the hearts and the homes of people all over the world. Watch this. They are, they are dead wood. They're, they're cold metal. They, they don't hear you when you pray. They don't comfort you when you hurt. They don't mourn with you when you weep. They don't encourage you when you're down. Can anybody give me an amen right there? There's only one who can bring you the fulfillment that your heart desires. And if you're wondering where Jesus stands on the issue, it's recorded in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus said this, Jesus says, look, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him what? Only, Only. you only worship him. The Bible says, and I've told you this uh, repetitively in this sermon series, your Bible says that he is a jealous God. And God's not content with being second place in your heart. God's not content with being second place in your home. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you need to know the truth. Second place doesn't get you into heaven. Second place doesn't get you into heaven. God, God is a jealous God, but he's not going to compete The Bible says you have to work out your own salvation. And and I want this whole series to be a warning to you that many of us have become numb to to this idea that we're not bowing down to what we've been calling modern day idols. We don't live in a culture or a country or a society that has many, you know, golden images that you have to bow down to. But we live in a world, especially in, in 2020, where The culture and society has established these modern-day idols that many of us, we didn't even realize that they have become our God. And these things that I'm going to show you, here's just kind of a working list. These things are not bad things unless you allow them to become God in your life. And none of these things will help you get into heaven. Can you help me preach today? Right, None of these things will help you get into heaven, but the enemy will use all of these things on this TV screen, multiplied by tens of thousands of additional things to distract your affection and your appetite and your attention from God, giving you a false hope, making you think that you're doing what you should be doing as sons and daughters of Jesus, and all the while we're missing the mark. God forbid that on our day of judgment we stand before God Almighty and he says, depart from me worker of iniquity because i never even knew you why because we bowed down to the idol of stuff we caved in to the idol of social media we put academics in pursuit of diplomas and degrees above the title of being called child of god we allowed success and achievement and being a workaholic Replace our responsibility to seek first the kingdom of God. Here's this three-letter word again, recognizing there's kids in the room, but this whole world is flipped upside down by the power of sex, The power of of science, the idol of of science, or the idol of of sports. A lot of families torn apart because of sports programs and favorite teams and kids' involvements. and, And then the idol of state, come on, which is politics. Again, what on this list is bad? None of it's bad as long as they remain in the proper place of priority and they don't become a false god in your life. There's only one way to heaven and that's to make King Jesus first in your life. Come on, that's a good place to agree with me. Don't allow the enemy of this world to distract your eyes, to get your eyes off of your responsibility and to get your eyes on these modern day idols. Uh, Each week in this series, I've given you three thoughts about idols. Let me do that again together today. Um, Idols are worldly, idols are worthless, and idols will wreck you. Let's talk about this for a moment. Idols are worldly. Every idol is Uh, man-made. The writer of Psalm 135 reminded us that they've got chiseled mouths and painted eyes and carved out ears and They're nothing more than than dead wood and and cold metal. Be be careful of the idols that the enemy puts in your path, making you think that there is a a hope that can be found if you bow down to them. Listen to me. Nothing in this world can save you. Nothing in this world can bring you joy and hope and fulfillment and comfort like only Jesus can. So all of the idols of this world, they are are worldly things created by man. But not only are they worldly, but they are worthless. They're worthless. That there is zero eternal value on the idols of today. Uh, Jeremiah said it like this in Jeremiah 10, uh, verse number 15, I believe. He talked about idols and he said that the idols are worthless and they are a mockery. That There's no value to the idols of today. There might be some earthly value, but there is no eternal value. And then ultimately, let me tell you this, every single idol that takes the place of God will wreck you. The Bible says, your Bible says, there is a way that seems right unto a man. But in the end, it's the way of destruction, destruction. Uh, The more and more that God gives me the opportunity to pastor people, the more I realize that for many of us, we're numb to the worldly idols that we placed in our lives, and we don't even realize how damaging and how powerful and how dangerous these idols are. Listen to me the enemy will do nothing to benefit you or to prosper you. That's not his desire. His desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. It's his primary purpose. So be very cautious and be very guarded of the idols that try to creep in and remember, they're all from this world. They all have no eternal value. And in the end, every single one of them will wreck you. They will provide destruction. But there is one who gives us hope, and his name is Jesus. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Come on now. It's good. So the last few Sundays, here's what we've done. We've looked at different uh, idols off of that modern-day idol list. Uh, Next Sunday is going to be a really great Sunday. We're going to finish this whole series, and we're going to cover a number of the modern-day idols. Uh, Week number two, we talked about the idol of social media. Last Sunday, we talked about the idol of state, which is politics. Did you enjoy that? Come on now. It was a good Sunday. Today, though, we're going to talk about, you ready? We're going to talk about the idol of stuff. The idol of stuff. If you want to know what the idol of stuff is really about, I would define it as this. It's the idol of materialism. It's the idol of possession. It's the idol of wants and addiction to purchasing things. Come on now, some of you are already real nervous about where this message is going. So in keeping fashion with the previous weeks, let me give you some warning signs. I'm gonna give you five of them. That stuff has become an idol in your life. Five warning signs that possession or materialism or stuff has become an idol in your life. Again, I encourage you to write these five thoughts down. Uh, You can take them to heart. On your own or you can you know share them with somebody that you feel like could really hear this word number one is this you know that stuff has become an idol in your life when you are obsessed with being rich you have this uh, obsession with being wealthy now listen to me God bless you listen to me there the idea of being wealthy is not is not a negative thing let me say it to you like this God wants to bless you, okay? God wants to open up the windows of heaven, pour out his blessings, press down, shaking together, and running over. Now, I'm not a prosperity gospel kind of preacher. I'm not a name it and claim it, blab it and grab it kind of guy. But I do believe in that when you are in alignment with Christ Jesus, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Everything else will be added unto it. I'm about to preach now. Your Bible says that we've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God wants to bless you exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Why? Not so that you can die wealthy, but he wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God wants to bless you so that you can in turn bless other people. But we live in a culture where people are obsessed with being rich. Now, if your prayer is to be rich, let it be a prayer that says, God, listen, if you bless me with finances, I will be a blessing to other people. Now, let me tell you how this works, okay? If you're not faithful in the little things, you're a fool. If you think he's going to make you rich, you're going to win the lottery, and then all of a sudden, you're going to be generous. If you're greedy when you're poor, you'll be greedy when you're rich. Anybody with me today? That's good, by the way. I felt good, I needed to say it. I think about in Luke 18, the parable of the rich young ruler. Young guy walks up to Jesus and says, how do I inherit eternal life? Jesus responds with the 10 commandments. He says, don't kill, don't murder, Honor your mother and your father. And what does the rich young ruler say? He says, check, check, check. I do all that. And Jesus says, well, you lack one thing. Go sell all of your possessions. Sell it all. And the Bible says in Luke 18 that the rich young ruler bowed his head, walked away, and wept. It's interesting that he would bow down to the idol of status or stuff or money instead of selling everything he owned to follow the one true living God. God wants to bless you, but not so that you can be wealthy and die a millionaire. No, God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. The second sign that stuff has become an idol in your life is you never have enough. Never have enough. This would be, write this down, it's not on the screen, but this would be the spirit of discontentment. When, when is enough enough? When is it enough? Oh, I get it. Come on now. Uh, some of you, you, you just bought the latest you know, iPhone 11, but the iPhone 12 is coming. And now there's four more cameras on that phone. And so I, I gotta get that one, you know? <laughs> I, I'm getting ahead of my... my Thoughts and my notes today, but I just had this thought. Of, I bought a set of golf clubs about a year ago on Facebook Marketplace, and uh, I can't hit the things. Come on now! So I told Kim, I said, "It's not my fault. It's the clubs' fault." Come on, guys, are you with me? <laughs> uh, and so I said, "I need, I need a new pair of clubs, set of clubs. If so I can get the right clubs, my whole game. Like, when, when is enough enough? I know, I know that you just bought." a new car, and you couldn't afford that one, but the warranty's about to expire, and somebody told you that if you traded in, you could actually lower your payments, they didn't tell you that you'd have to extend the loan, but your payments will be lowered, so you justify by saying, well, I'm saving money, excuse me, you ain't saving money. Ride the car till the wheels come off, now, and that's not popular preaching, because we live in a culture that teaches us, here it is, that we deserve We don't deserve it. You know what we deserve? Death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I'm I'm not opposed, and neither is God opposed to you having nice things. But don't battle the spirit of discontentment that says, well, you need a bigger house, you need a better car, you need better A, B, C, D, fill in the blank. It's dangerous, and it is, ladies and gentlemen, a slippery slope. Whether you like this kind of message or not, it's the truth. Anybody with me? Come on now. Number three, this is a big one. You know that stuff is becoming idol because you're living beyond your means. Keeping up with the Joneses. Let me let me tell you about the Joneses. Number one, if they are as rich as they are, I wish they'd go to go church. Come on now. Let me tell you about the Joneses. The Joneses don't think about you. They're not, they're not looking at you, no. So why are we trying to compare our life? to whoever the Joneses are, or whoever so-and-so is, or come on, I know some of y'all, you drop your kids off in the car rider line at school and you think, I wish I had a car like that. You know that I read an article on CNN a few months ago that says that the United States of America has now accumulated a collective amount of debt in the total of $14 trillion. People are drowning in debt. Marriages are falling apart because of the pressure of of finances because people are living beyond their means. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, I know what it's like to have a lot, and I know what it's like to have nothing. And then he says, but I have learned that no matter what state I'm in, Georgia, Maryland, come on now, no matter what state I'm in, I can be content. I don't have to live beyond my means. The Bible says that when you're faithful in the little things, God will make you rulers over much. So again, if you're not faithful in what you've been blessed with now, how do you think you're gonna be faithful with the next amount of blessing that God wants to provide? Prove yourself now, God will send the increase. Come on now, anybody with me? God will give you the raise, God will give you the promotion, God will give you whatever it is, and when that happens, watch, then your life will be, I guess, moved up a layer. I mean, we want that, don't we? Well, if I just had more money. I know a lot, I know a lot of wealthy people, not personally, but athletes and movie stars and musical artists. And money, money isn't what brings people happiness. You know I say this a lot, so y'all just courtesy laugh at me. But mo money, mo problems. Your life would be so much better if you just lived within your means. What is, what does that mean? It means if you don't have the money for something, you don't get it. <gasps> How much credit card debt do you have? You don't have to say it out loud. Oh God, if you'll just help me get out of debt. He is. He he sent you to a church where they're teaching you the truth. To say, cut up the credit card, stop justifying your expenses, create a zero-based budget. Listen to me. Get on the right track. You'll never wander your way out of debt, but you'll wonder your way in. You wanna get out of debt, you need a plan. You hear what I'm saying? Live within your means and watch God bless you because you're faithful to the blessings that he's given. I need to swallow, so can we pause and give Jesus some praise, come on. Oh, come on, you can do better. Come on. <clears throat> All right, number four. <laughs> you know you're bowing down to the idle stuff because you're more greedy than generous. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know many of you personally, so you have, to, you have to take the self-assessment. Look at your checkbook. I mean, if you have a checkbook, look at your bank statement. Look at your credit card statement. Are you generous or are you greedy? Again, listen to me. More money will not make you more generous. More money will make you more of what you already are. More money will just highlight more of who you really are. So when you look at your bank statement, when you look at your credit card statement, you know, when you balance your, your checkbook and you see all of your expenses, Now, now not me, now you get to determine are you a greedy person or are you a generous person what i'm about to tell you has zero attempt to elevate me and puff me up as some super generous you know pastor or christian but in our family one of our core values is generosity i i want to teach my children the value of generosity that generosity begets generosity again i talked to my mom this morning we talk every sunday morning and We were talking a little bit about last Sunday and the message, and then, you know, she lets me pre-rehearse or rehearse my sermon on her over the phone before I get up here and embarrass myself. She told me today, she said, don't embarrass me, son. Yes, ma'am. And uh, we were talking about growing up, just how difficult life was for us and how hard she worked. And, you know, as a kid, and I think I'm still kind of this way, like, there's not a lot of things that I want. God, God has really blessed us. But I find myself as a parent, and this is just really transparent, where at times we can get caught in the undertow of culture that would just buy them things. And we'll talk a little bit more about wants versus needs in a moment, but I'm trying to discipline our home to be a generous home. So our kids are really blessed, incredibly blessed. You know, and a lot of times if if we can't afford something that my kids want or need, I'll just tell them, Go talk to your me and papa. Come on now, that's what I'm talking about. You know, just go, put a little tear in your eye, they'll give it to you, you know? But for the last few Christmases, here's what we've done. And again, I'm not, I'm just giving you a a practical example. So the, the past few Christmases, we bought gifts for our kids, and then we bought some type of livestock for a family in a village that we've never met. So we buy a goat, or we buy you know, a cow or we bought a rabbit and, and we get the information and our kids, they get together and we see about this family. We see what part of the country and we pray for them. We sponsor a child in the country of Belize every month. We pen pal, we write letters, we send resources because it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. God has prospered our family Not so that my kids can get all the latest and greatest technologies and clothes, and we can drive and live in the nicest of things. No, so that we can be a blessing to other people. So again, you have to do the litmus test. But when you look at your checkbook and your credit card statement, are you greedy or are you generous? All right, number five is this. You know that stuff has become an idol when your loyalty is divided. I'm going to show you this in Matthew chapter 6. Everybody write this down. Your loyalty is divided. And I'm going to give you a verse here that we'll read together in just a moment. Here's what this means. You cannot serve two masters. Your loyalty cannot be divided. Now, I, My marriage would not work if I said, Kimberly, I love you, but I also love this other girl. Now, you know what Kimberly would say? Take the earrings off. Oh, no, you didn't. My, my loyalty cannot be divided in my family. My family needs my undivided loyalty and attention. And when it comes to wealth and riches and possession and stuff, be careful that your loyalty doesn't become divided. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount is recorded in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, chapters 5, 6, and 7, I believe. So this is Jesus talking, and here's what he says about the reality of loyalty not being divided. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on where? Earth. This world is not our home. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy. I don't know, every time I read this, I think about my grandma's house. Because every time I walked in there as a kid, it smelled like mothballs. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus says, but store up for yourselves treasures where? Oh, let me, oh, I wish I had time. I don't have time. But there is coming a second judgment. There's the judgment of of works that you've done and your name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And on the second judgment, all of the treasures you've stored up in heaven will be given to you. Come on now, there's a whole sermon series in that. Where neither moth nor rust can destroy and where thieves can't break in and steal. Watch this, verse 21, this is a big one. For where your treasure is, there your heart is what also. I'm gonna give you two verses here and then I'll show you again, verse 24. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light, verse 23. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is dark, how great is the darkness? You ready, watch. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. He says your loyalty cannot be divided for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Let's read the last sentence highlighted in yellow on three. One, two, three. You cannot serve God and, you can't do it. You cannot serve God and money. The Bible says not that money is the root of all evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. Just be so guarded and so careful not to let your loyalty become divided and you get your eyes fixed on the things of this world. Now, my eyes are fixed on heaven. My eyes are fixed on the treasure in heaven. Okay, so every week I've done this. I've given you some practical things that I'm going to challenge you to do. Are you enjoying today so far? Are we good? This crowd is a little bit more quiet than normal, but I'm going to trust that God's word doesn't return void, okay? So maybe it just means I'm stepping on some toes. Come on now. Watch this. So then how do we tear down the idol of stuff? I'm gonna give you three thoughts. We'll pray for you. You can get out of the room, and those of you online, you can log off. Three quick thoughts. Number one, you gotta know the difference between wants versus needs. Again, God shall supply all of your needs needs according to his riches and glory. A great way to understand the difference is this, wants versus needs, desire versus what is required. That's the difference. What do you desire versus what is required? If you take a look at your life today, most of us have just about everything that we need But many of us don't have everything that we want. It's perspective. Again, God wants you to have a good job. God wants you to have a nice home. God wants your family to be taken care of so that you can be a blessing. But don't get angry at God when He doesn't give you what you want and miss the forest for the trees, not realizing that He's blessed you with everything that you need. I want somebody to hear me because I feel the Holy Spirit and I know I'm running out of time. But if you woke up today clothed in your right mind, if you fed yourself breakfast, you woke up with a roof over your head, you got a stove and air, you drove yourself to church or drive yourself. If you got a job, come on now. If there's money in the bank, it not be as much money as you want, but watch this, God will give you everything that you need, but you have to steward that as well. To steward, faith without works is dead. Okay, so know the difference between wants versus needs. That's desires versus what is required. Here's a big one. Practice what I call one for one. One for one. What does that mean? Are you ready? Lean in for a second. What if in this next season, every time you bought something, you gave the exact same thing away? So ladies, ladies, The next time you buy yourself a pair of shoes or you get yourself a new purse, God bless you, do it. But what if you gave a pair of shoes away? What if you gave a purse away? Your room would be thankful for the extra room to breathe. I'm just gonna say that. Come on, fellas. The next time you buy yourself that shirt or that jersey or whatever it is, what if you gave the exact same thing away? You got time for a quick story? I'm gonna tell you anyway. I was just trying to be kind and ask. I know of a great gentleman, a a mentor in my life, a friend in my life. He and his wife made this deal. He went to his wife and said, hey, honey, I want to buy a new truck and a boat. And his wife said, I tell you what, here's the deal. You can buy the new truck and the boat if you give the exact amount that you paid for it away in cash to the church. So go buy the boat, go buy the truck. Whatever the value is, you got to give it away. How about that for a little perspective? How about that? So what if that thing that you don't really need but you really want, you just said to God, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to budget, I'm going to create an envelope system, hashtag Dave Ramsey, come on, y'all need to Google, I'm helping you out, and when I buy that thing, I'm going to give that thing away, one for one, and your whole life would be different, and your house would be less cluttered, and then number three, know the difference between wants versus needs. Practice one for one. And number three, I don't know if you'll enjoy this or not, but I'm telling you the God's honest truth, start giving. Start tithing. I cannot fully explain God's economy, but I'm telling you, when you give, it shall be given. God does. Can I get a couple hundred people that know what I'm talking about? I don't want you to take my word for it. When you tithe... When you give, and listen, I get it. Lean in for a second, I get it. You know, we've got people on Christian television that have used giving as propaganda and, you know, manipulated people. Man, God, that is not the heart of Go Church. It's not. I want you to be in alignment with God whenever you tithe, which is 10%. But even if you can't start there, if you'll just start somewhere and start giving, God will see that you're trusting Him with what is already His. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from your Father above. So tithing is just returning to God a portion of what is already his. When you tithe and when you give, the windows of heaven open. They open and God's blessings are showered upon you. Okay, I got to finish, but I'm going to tell you something. If you go to our website and you click on giving, this is how confident I am of this. On our website is a 90-day tithe challenge. Read through it tithe for 90 days 90 days faithfully you'll you'll read about the description if at the end of the 90 days god does not bless you exceedingly abundantly above all that your mind could ever ask think or imagine you let us know i'll give you all your money back it's a money back guarantee because i'm not in this to make money it's the only place in scripture that god says test me try he's like i double dog dare you try me. So, you've got nothing to lose because if at the end of the 90 days God didn't blow your mind and He will, then we were nothing more than a savings account for 90 days. Oh, we're gonna give you all the money back. We've been doing it for years. You know how many people have asked for their money back? Zero. Zero. Try God, test God, and see what He does. All right, know the difference between wants versus needs. Practice one for one. And start giving, start tithing. Take the 90-day tithe challenge today and watch what God does. And then a closing question and we'll be done. So has stuff become an idol in your life? If so, what steps do you need to take to tear it down? Let me pray for you today. Father, thank you for the opportunity to stand on this platform, hold this microphone and preach the words of life. I pray in the name of Jesus that... The word that you put in my heart to prepare to share today would not return void. This isn't, you know, a a very fun conversation to have because it creates a moment of transparency and uncomfortability as we look within and we recognize that maybe, just maybe, we become numb to bad spending habits, to addictive purchasing behavior, to elevating things and materialism above where you should be. My hope is not in what I buy. My hope is in the one who died for me. So God, whatever work you have to do through the Holy Spirit to get the attention of everybody's hearts and mind, do that work now, today, Lord Jesus. May we tear down the idols that have been established in our heart and home, and may we put you back in the right place. May we put you as Lord of Lord, King of Kings, and first place in our heart as you sit on the throne of our heart. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Come on and give Jesus some thanks. Come on.